So welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the I Am Hip Hop podcast, hosted by the one and only myself, Jay Uncle Juju St. Paul. And I am joined today by, yeah, man, like um, an amazing individual, to say the least. Um, you've won a Juno Award because of your music. And as most of us will recognize you from, especially if you're like myself, a serious hip hop head, from the Netflix acclaimed Hip Hop Evolution series as well. So I just want to say welcome. And also, how do I pronounce your name right as well? Because is yeah. it Shad or is it is it is there a specific right. way? You got it. You know, you got it. Shad, just like that. Sh Shad. Ah, okay, yeah. wicked. Spot on. All right. I don't feel so um, multicultural right now. So <laughs> I'm doing all right. <laughs> um, but how are you doing today, Dessa? Yeah, I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for the time. Yeah, no, perfect. And thank you for joining us as well and taking the time out of your day to one, speak about your upcoming album, Tao. But yes. also I want to let people who may never have seen your face, and if you haven't, then I don't know what rocks you're under, but that's fine. I'm not here to judge. I don't get paid enough to. <laughs> but from, as I just mentioned, the Hip Hop Evolution um, documentary and yeah. also historic insight into the world of hip hop, which we are both ingrained into. Yeah, absolutely. So what I'm going to start off the podcast with is like I do with most people who've joined us for the very first time and is asked a question of what was life like for you growing up, especially mm -hmm. considering that you're from Canada as well. And yeah. I'm always just interested in people's origin stories. Call me a comic book. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. That's great. So, um, so my family is originally from Rwanda, small country in in East Africa, Central Africa. Um, I was born in Kenya. My sister was born in Uganda. I won't get too deep into the origin story, but basically my parents were <laughs> displaced very young. They were refugees all over East Africa. And so my sister was born in Uganda. I was born in Kenya. Then we came to Canada because they wanted um, a place for my sister and I to grow up um, that was stable, unlike unlike what they had, where they had to, to move fairly regularly and, and were never... Um, in a in a stable place with guaranteed rights and you know um, and that sort of thing. So we moved to Canada when I was a year old. We grew up in I grew up in a city called London, Ontario, which is halfway between Toronto and Detroit. For reference, for people that might not be uh, listening from Canada, so about two hours from from each, about a half a million people. So a mid-sized town, um, and that's where I I grew up. You're very typical North American city, if you can picture that, like your Cleveland, Ohio, or something like that. Very, very kind of like typical. Um, and yeah, and I grew up uh, in the 80s and 90s. Um, and that's where I encountered music. That's why where I encountered hip hop. And um, that would be the origin story. Oh, wow. Okay, fair enough. So I'm um, so touching on to the fact of when you encountered hip hop, how did that happen and when you know when was that kind of light bulb moment for you to you know then also pursue yeah your own career and yeah. put your own you know sort of stamp on hip-hop yeah so for some more canadian context for people we have in canada our own or we had our own music video network we didn't get mtv from america we had our <laughs> own called much music because of the broadcasting laws, okay? So a lot of the first hip-hop I encountered, I mean, some of it were, was, you know, whatever uh, was coming out of America. And especially when I was a little kid, you're talking about the pop stuff, right? Um, the MC Hammers and that sort of thing. Um, but also we had, uh, our Canadian hip-hop was a lot of my foundation. You know, artists like Maestro, uh, that people might not know, Cardinal Official, who had some work, did some work with Akon and stuff like mm -hmm. that. That's one of our, that's one of our legends. Dream Warriors, Mishimi, Chaos. Um, so those are also formative artists for me. Um, but who really changed, who really made me take hip hop very seriously was when I was in high school, hearing artists like Common, Outkast, Lauren Hill, Raskas. Um, these were, these were, these are the most formative artists for me. Those were the people that I'm at that impressionable age of 14, 15, 16, started to hear these artists talking about their own stories in really amazing ways. Um, 
that's when I started digging into the lyrics. How were they coming up with this stuff? How were they putting this together? You know, really became a student of it at that point. To the point where I didn't take rapping that seriously because they were so good, if that makes sense. Like, I was freestyling and stuff with friends, but, you know, hearing Equemini when I was 16, it was like, well, I can't do that. I mean, let me just, you know what I mean? So, okay, I'm a freestyle in the cafeteria or whatever, but <laughs> I know I'm not that, you know? And so it wasn't until a little bit later, maybe early 20s, that I started to feel like I had some stories that were really uniquely my own. I wasn't just copying my heroes anymore when I was freestyling and stuff. I was, I, I had my own stories to tell. And some of those stories had to do with, like I was saying, my origin story, being African-Canadian, um, stuff I hadn't heard before in rap music or in you know Canadian rap music. So um, that, that was really the spark, I would say, for me to get involved was when I started to feel like, actually, I have my own stories to tell. Um, but I learned everything from those heroes, from, from Biggie and Black Thought and everybody from that era that I was listening to constantly. No, that's dope still. And also, yeah, um, for any of us, because I used to freestyle a lot before and I was on the path of a rapper, you know, back in the day, even here from being in the UK, I was actually the only person in my school at the time that was, you know, freestyling hip hop where everybody else was on the garage scene and, you know, coming up through the grime scene as well. So, but I then ended up finding my love was still with the music and passion for DJing and so on and so forth. And it just got me involved with everything as a whole. But no, for us to try to compare ourselves to people like Andre or Big Boy, like as you said, Equemini, even for when I even listen to the, you know, the whole ATL, um, ATL aliens. Yeah, yeah. And when you start to really break those things down, yeah, of course, if you're comparing yourselves to that in the mirror, then all right, fair enough. I, I get where some doubt comes through. But no, I'm still very you know, happy that you pursued your love and your passion in order to put you in the positions where you are today. Um, and then also producing, you know, um, quite a few albums with actual real context behind it. And you can see the reflection of these artists that you found so much passion within. Because I mean, look, if you're mentioning Black Thought as some of the first names for you to come across, then you can already tell that there's a level of understanding of the culture. But anyways, moving on. And as well as singing your praises, of course. Um, so you've touched on it lightly before, but what was it like being a, you know, being born from Africa, coming over to Canada, and you've touched on, you know, being an African Canadian. I mean, what has that experience and journey been like for you? And also yeah. then how does that reflect on you as a person? Yeah, so there's a lot of um, layers to it that, I feel very lucky I've gotten to unpack in my music because it's complicated. So as I said, my family's from Rwanda and we came to Canada in the, in the early eighties, mid eighties, and the genocide happened in Rwanda in 94. So I'm at, I'm 11 years old, sixth grade in Canada, just running around with my friends. I know a little bit about where I come from, but not that much. And then, um, you know, I'm my whole Rwandan community is is panicked and looking at updates and all this stuff. And uh, so, just to give you a snapshot of how it can be complicated, or how it was complicated for me growing up in Canada, because it's like both of these things are happening at the same time. I'm a regular 11 year old kid watching Michael Jordan and listening to salt and pepper and then you know with my friends and then i'm also processing oh like my mom lost her sister and her dad that i never met but you know yeah like this is the this is the realities of you know very complicated um so i feel lucky that i had music to help me kind of unpack that and then of course anti-black racism that exists in all of these uh, countries. And in Canada, the way that that unfolds is a little bit less blatant than, say, in, in America, where the racism can be very overt. You know, the people are, are more overt. In Canada, we have a reputation for being kind of polite and whatnot, but it still, it still manifests. It still manifests. You know, my, both of my parents experienced bullying at work 
and, um, you know, denied promotions, things like that. Um, my sister at one point was told, um, by her guidance counselor in high school that she should be a flight attendant, which is totally fine job, but she's an electrical engineer now. Um, you know, she was top of her class in math and science and student council president. So, you know, that was a bit of a strange suggestion. Um, so, you know, so those things, the subtle, the subtle racism, and then just the complicated cultural experience where, um, you know, I'm very much a Canadian on one hand, but on, on the other hand, I'm very international. I can't help but think internationally. I can't, there, there's a limit to how patriotic and Canadian I can be, you know, I'm, I'm a child mm. of the world. My parents retired and moved back to Rwanda. So, and most of my extended family is there. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very much a product of both places and a child of both places. So, yeah, so it, it, there's, there's all sorts of layers to it. And that's why I feel really lucky. I've had music to help me sort through it, you know, mm. cause they say writing is thinking. And so hip hop gave me a chance to gather my thoughts, share my, share my thoughts, explain who I am. And uh, the interesting thing too with Canada is um, immigration from Africa to Canada only really started in the 60s, but more so in the 80s. So, uh, so my generation actually of hip, of hip hop in Canada are the first to really articulate an African Canadian experience. Right. So that's, that's cool and interesting, you know, immigration from the Caribbean started to happen a lot more in the sixties and seventies, but African immigration started to happen more in the eighties, nineties. So, um, so yeah, so that's another interesting layer to it too. You know, I never heard these stories being told, um, some of them in, in hip hop or in our, in our culture, in Canada and our society in general. So, um, yeah, to answer to give you a long answer to your question. That's that's some of the layers. That's what to, I'm here for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm fully invested into the story. Like these are the reasons why I like having these conversations. And also, um, I know I'm kind of jumping a bit, but when I've sat down and watched all of the seasons up till current, and I'm still waiting for the next ones to be released, yep. Hip Hop Evolution. You know, I'm si I'm I'm also like a bit kind of caught up because I'm like, wait, I've been watching this. Yo, he's this is the guy, and you know, you've I, even in the case of the whole thing, which I think is so amazing, is that it's you've tapped into so many different bits. Like I've always been a massive hip hop head, but you know, you can always be prejudiced. You're like, oh yeah, I prefer east to west, or I prefer more mid or to south or north, whatever way you want to look at how you love hip hop, but. It's like when you started to tap into the South and even with Wayne, I've always, I'm also one of those people that's like, yeah, Wayne's good and he's got bars like crazy, but it's not until that you help delve deeper into that. And then you see all of the connections and even into the case of the dancing scenes and whatnot, I then was like, okay, yeah, you know what? I need to invest a, a bit more time into this. And I think maybe that, like you said, with that long answer, I think is also maybe something for you, well, if it's possible for you to consider is actually making a project surrounding around that as well. Because yeah. I mean, the only, when most people think of uh, Canada when it comes to rapping and you have to, is once again, like you said, Cardinal official. And even yeah. then he's now someone who had his boost, then he yeah. slipped away and then you had your Drakes. So when yeah. anyone thinks Canada now, all they think of is, Drake, Drake when yeah. we've got people like yourself who's won awards you know you you really tackle hip-hop for everything that it is you don't judge it from any other angle because it's been so instrumental to your life but then you didn't then look at your cardinals and and i even think to myself now i'm just like the voice is put to my head it's like oh wait yeah i was i was bumping into the club with him you know quite a lot yeah. as well back in the day so yeah now yeah. i think there needs to be a little bit spot more spotlight but we'll, we'll jump a little bit forward anyways sure so you've been making your, you know, your, your music, you know, 16 year um, career up to date. So, and even for people who might have actually watched the the series, wouldn't even know that in verbatim without looking deeper into you. Yeah. But what was it like actually winning the the Juno Award, and how, what does the Juno Award mean to you and yeah. you know to the community that understand it? Sure. Yeah. So, the, our, the Juno Awards are our. Um, Brit Awards, I guess. They would be the equivalent of the your Brit okay. Awards. Um, or 
I mean, the Grammys are kind of more international, but you know, we would also say they're like our Canadian Grammys. They're, they're, our, they're our music industry awards, right? Mm. Um, so the year, the year that I won, I was up against Drake. So there was not, like the thought of winning didn't even occur to me. It was, it was his debut album. Um, so he was still on his, you know, way up, mm. but it was a major album. It was a major debut, you know? Mm. Um, so I was, I'm literally, I'm there at the gala, I'm eating my roast beef or whatever. And that's, that was mainly why I came, you know, it's a free meal and it's a fun night. You know, I'm like, look, it's Drake, <laughs> you know, what I mean? it's all good. No love lost here. No love lost. I'm like, thank you. You know, um, so that was that was significant for sure. Um, that was quite a moment for me in, in my career. Um, yeah, and you know how it is in this industry. It's like things, moments like that are what enable you to continue. They're just mm. they give you that little bit of extra notoriety, that little bit of an extra push in our scene domestically. Where okay, you get to stick around for another two three years and see what you can do, right? So, um, so that was a huge moment moment for that and. Uh, yeah, a couple years later is when we started working on the the documentary. So um, so yeah, so it also led to all sorts of different opportunities and avenues and stuff, even out, outside of music, adjacent to music, I could, you could say. Now that's dope still. So, I mean, because obviously you just tapped onto it, I think this is the best place because I want to use the rest of the um, the time that we have um, to really dig into your your upcoming outline. Well, it will be out by the time that this is released, but by the time that we're recording this, it's due to come out on the 1st of October. And you've also released your main single or one of the main singles from the album, Black Averageness, which I have to say as well. I mean, your beat, your beats at points can sometimes because I'm a DJ, so I picture music in a completely different way than most people would actually approach it. But the lyrics to that track are just killer, bro. Like, and also a few other tracks that I've definitely picked out from your works as well that really stood out to me personally. So, bearing in mind, everybody, you just take the time to listen to it. You will not be disappointed, um, and it's definitely not a waste of um, any precious time that you feel that you might be missing if you're not. It's really worth worth digging into it. But before we skip on to that good stuff, um, so you, like you said, with the Juno Awards, it opened up a load of other avenues. It actually, you know, I suppose in some ways it kind of officiated your stamp on the map. So how did the whole Netflix thing come together and then... Also, if but once again, another long answer. I feel happy to. What was yeah. it like meeting these guys? Because I'm still trying to yeah. get them on the pods. They're, I mean, I've got to speak to Raheem from Grandmaster Flash and Furious and the Furious Five. So yeah. we're talking originated. So I've I've managed to speak to a few and even um oh wow uh quite a few, actually Capone and Daz Dillinger and a few Sick. other kind of big heads as well. So for me, when I'm having these conversations, I'm like, yo, I goosebumps like yeah. yo you guys are gods in my way of looking at things so and also to anyone that's religious and wants to feel to cancel me that's how i feel hip-hop is my religion leave me leave me with it there but not taking away from your answer sorry, sorry. yeah um, yeah no yeah no Netflix, meeting these legends yeah so so the way the show came together was we set out to um we set out to make a documentary about the origins of hip-hop basically season one was our plan we didn't have a plan to make anything more than more than that. Um, I was invited into it by a couple of journalists in Canada that I really respected, and they asked me if I would host it. I was like, okay, sure, this sounds amazing. And and really, the thing that crossed my mind that made me really want to do it was the fact that there's some great books about the origins of hip hop, and the story has been covered and it's known. But it occurred to me in that first conversation I had with them when they were inviting me into the project that the document doesn't really exist on film like hip-hop heads don't have that go-to doc where we can just there it is you want to you want to know the basics that's not, not every single detail but you want to know the basics boom you can just watch this so um so that really got me excited because the other thing that occurred to me was that the opportunity to do it um, won't be there forever because, as you know, sadly, our heroes aren't always here forever, right? Yeah. And our pioneers aren't always here forever. So it occurred to me at that point, you know, 2012, 2013, hey, let's do this now. Yeah, mm. this is the time. 
and it just felt like that, you know. So uh, so we set out to do that, and we had um, some good help, Nelson George and Russell Peters, some some people that are deep in hip hop and know the pioneers. They helped us get some of those cool hercs that are tough to get, and you know those pioneers. Because when you're talking about the origins, you know it's it's not that many people were there, truly, at the very beginning. You know, you're talking about <laughs> South Bronx, you know, a few neighborhoods. They're not that, you know, you talk to no a couple phones, hundred, no, no camera phones, you know, it's just, if you saw the flyer for the cool Herc party and you showed up, then you were there. And if you weren't, then you weren't. And, uh, so <laughs> man, it's, it's still surreal to be honest to this day, like every August 11th, which is the accepted birthday of hip hop. And people say happy birthday, hip hop, happy 48th birthday. I think it just had they'll they might post a clip from hip-hop evolution with me walking with cool herc and i look at the clip and i feel outside myself i feel like i can't believe i had that i just can't believe i had that moment you know like you said yeah. you and i we owe so much to hip-hop and uh and it started he's ground zero grandmaster flash you know mm. these guys that that pioneered it all when by the way they were 13 14 like such brilliant kids such brilliant kids, you know. They were 13, 14, inventing new ways of playing records that no one had ever imagined. Um, it just... it, And also, like you were saying earlier about um, having your regional biases in hip-hop, I'm no different. I learned a lot. <laughs> I The doc makes me look like a genius, like I knew everything or something. <laughs> it's like, no, I was the same. Like every hip-hop head, that was part of being a hip-hop head you know, was having your, your biases and your, I like this. I don't, you know, like that as much. Um, this is what I'm into this, you know, that was part of the culture. And so it actually gave me a greater appreciation too, you know, um, and especially visiting some of the places I'd never been before. I'd never been to Miami before. And just mm. to feel the culture there, you just go and in an instant, you're like, oh, this is the opposite of Toronto. This is a different culture. This is the opposite. Now I get it. This party music thing, you know, yeah. <laughs> in Toronto, we're headphones. We're walking through the snow, you know, yeah. and they are just, it's a party all the time. Um, so, you know, just to get to feel some of those places and get an appreciation for the culture, you know, it really, it's surreal. And not to mention, you know, to the last part of your question about heroes, guys like KRS-One, Busta Rhymes, Q-Tip, people, you know, Ali Shaheed, Maceo, some of the people that I personally learned mm -hmm. just about everything from, you know, that was, that was extremely special. Yeah, no, because I, I might have to say as well, like, I mean, because um, I think he's even we've had Talib on there, we've had most of those, you know, heavily influenced me when it kind of came. I mean, don't get me wrong, I've been exposed to hip hop from, you know, I'm, I was born in 85. So, you know, I'm getting hip hop during these next stages of evolution where we start to get the kind of really, you know, underground backpack scene. And then we now have our overgrounds with you, like your ditties and so on and so forth. But mm -hmm. it's like really hearing their stories and piecing together how everything worked, like even the, the episode when, you know, with Eminem and him, him actually, I know he's always dope, but actually him going to the clothing store to be battling in order to, yeah. to keep where he is. I've watched the BBC documentary, actually, funny enough, um, before I saw the episode, but, you know, why, why is it, I was always, because obviously house is more associated with Caucasian or the paler side of folks, because that's what we always see, especially here in the UK with the, you know, the LSD and that kind of whole smiley face thing that was around with it. But then yeah. finding out that it came from Detroit. And that's the reason why we find there's so many of us who have actually helped, you know, develop this whole musical, you know, trend that's become so popular as we know as house, whether that's tech or deep tech or, you know, whatever abbreviation it goes to, once again, we've managed to take the things that are around us um, with very limited resources and somehow still manage, like you're saying about, you know, bringing others, the party music, or maybe it's just the thought provoking music, or it's actually moving the nation or moving people on a kind of a revolutionary thought pattern, or sometimes just get drunk and get stupid. By the way, not calling on anyone to get drunk and get stupid. I'm just saying, 
it's not you know not so <laughs> disassociated with <laughs> with certain parts of, our, of the culture i suppose but yeah. no thank you know but once again the thank you though bro like real yeah. talk for even having that notion or even then, you know, funny enough, I know it's not just all strictly down to you. And also, you know, shout out to all of the journalists that, you know, respected and connected because yeah. this is at least something that's, you know, cemented as long as we've always got power and electricity and screens, which doesn't seem to be going anywhere. So yeah. once again, my utmost thanks, man. You know, like it real was, well, it was a real, it was a real pleasure for me. And as you said, yeah, shout out the, all the directors and writers that were involved with the show. Like, I just feel lucky to have, been able to have been a part of it and and like i said i learned a ton the show makes me look like a genius but i i, I learned all the way through you know i learned a deeper appreciation it's funny you're talking about house music about how um how uh how can i put it the technological side of hip-hop you know the electronic side this is the hip-hop is fundamentally electronic music because it comes from turntables yeah and mm -hmm. um and People talk about our brilliance creatively as black people, but you know, no. There's also a uh, 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 an engineering genius to us as well um, in the ways that we have used new technologies always in music and put to push music forward as well from a very technical standpoint. You know, that's the story of hip hop as well. 808 drum machines, sampling machines, turntables, all that stuff. We've been ahead, you know? Yeah. Um, and pushing it forward. And and uh, and so I, I gained a deeper appreciation for that, too, because that's also very much the story of hip hop. Right on into um, the show doesn't cover this, but if you if you were to get into the later 2000s, then you're getting into the Internet and the different platforms and always hip hop is there embracing the new platforms and using it you know and um and it and it changes the music and and it changes the culture so um shout out that side of things too for real and shout out to soldier boy for that one as well i know there's yeah you know there's been a lot of controversy surrounding this stuff recently but it is actually true if it wasn't for the likes of soldier boy because i remember how i was sitting in that that pocket of like oh, i can't believe they're doing this i feel like you're selling out from the the true core of what hip-hop is but Funny enough, even that being said, like when you just mentioned about how deep the engineering is, if it wasn't for yeah. people like Grandmaster Flash, the evolution of the uh, mixer um, yeah. Yeah. wouldn't have even happened in the first place. So shout out, to, you know, to them. If it wasn't for, you know, like the those groups where they didn't have any promotion, like you said, you had to have a party. They had to rely on the cab systems to play their music around New York, which then the tapes then explored, you know, to the rest of the world. But even now thinking about it onto another level, because of the way that we all make music now, I mean, you can you can pick up a tablet and you can make the, the most banging track on the planet for the illest rhymers to ever grace, you yeah. know, your music. But even the way that whole platform worked out, if it wasn't for, you know, the, the, the hip hop side of things and like you said, embracing new technology and finding other ways how to use it. I don't even think the whole, you know, sort of click and drag and place things where they are would never have been a thing if it wasn't yeah. for you know the art form so once again as we mentioned before you know both of us just how much we have to give to hip-hop and the culture that accepts everyone from everywhere especially here yeah. in europe because and as that's why i was interested about the canadian side of things is because obviously everything grew from you know from new york and the states and then it just grew and then you know when you're over here in europe we're very strained especially when i was coming up to how much content we was able to get unless you're willing to pay the import prices and yeah. i will tell you i spent there enough 50 50 to 70 pound on vinyls and whatever just because it wasn't exclusive from the state so yeah. fully invested in the whole motion but no um but brilliant so let's go um so as i said we're gonna now move to the album so i've been soaking this i usually like to listen to albums especially when i'm speaking to someone it's over within a few days just because it's fresh in my mind but first of all congratulations second of all can't believe you wrote this before covid19 considering <laughs> once again i mean don't be wrong i've read the press release i'm not that way inclined but no to find out that this happened before this whole wave of madness that we've you know been all part of like this is like some horror story in some cases of the word mm -hmm. But real talk, man, like um, thought provoking, you have approach it with, you know, a, a few different styles and the ways that you choose to deliver your messages. And I love the whole 
basis of how of what the, the album's based around, which is the Tao. So to a lot of people who might not know what the Tao is, it's a, a bit of, correct me if I'm wrong, it's an ancient Chinese way of looking and approaching um life and how you're you're almost in a sense of like how you know the balance works is by what it, you know what you put in is of you know essentially what you get out and the way that you treat others and those around you is your values of life. So and especially coming from your previous album, which is a lot more, I should, I should say straight to the point with a lot of things, a short story about war. I mean, it's in the title at the end of the day, guys. I mean, like, what else are you supposed to, supposed to expect? But you seem, in, in the case of what I've read from the press release, it seems like it's been a very, this is a very spiritual and deep reaching project for yourself. So what was the process for you you know, just in your words of yeah. how you decided to approach and, you know, create this project as a whole. Yeah. yeah. So my approach to this one was I wanted to write each song about a different aspect of life, to put it, to put it simply, a different aspect of the human experience, each song. Maybe a song would contain two or, or three, but, um, but that's how I approach the writing. So, for example, there's a song called Work. And it's about work. You know, there's a song <laughs> called God. And it's about our relationship to the transcendent, you know, our relationship to the sacred. There's a song called Storm. It's kind of about our relationship to the natural world, you know, the environment. But there's always layers to it. And I'm always trying to come at stuff from different angles to keep it interesting, you know. But... Ultimately, what I was trying to do is, you know, each song is focused and, you know, so you can you can grasp what I'm trying to do. But overall, what I'm talking about is our relationship to each of these things and how they're changing. So, for example, our relationship to work, you know, work is becoming harder to come by and the jobs that do exist are more precarious. And um, and there are also fewer and fewer jobs that are just sort of simply connected to meaning and community you know what i mean you might work for some multinational corporation doing accounts payable over here your company's doing god knows what on the other side of the world you know and you get home at the end of the day after 10 hours like what am i doing exactly you know so all that to say it's like our relationship to each of these things is changing or the environment for example right climate change and so wow like not too long ago, we all used to be very connected to the soil. And now we all, most of us live in cities. We don't know how the natural world works. And the natural world is, you know, is in crisis. Mm. So, um, so that's kind of what I was thinking. I'm like, let me break down, let me make the songs digestible. And so I'm only talking about one or two things in each song. But overall, what I'm talking about is our humanity, you know, our relationship to all these different things and how it's changing and is it good and is it bad and how can we be in, in touch with ourselves more and, and with each mm. other more. Um, so that, that is, an, again, another long answer. But that's how I approached writing this album, you know, like that's just mm. each song breaking it into little chunks. But overall, there's something I'm kind of trying to say. There's something I'm, I'm kind of trying to get at, which is um, that uh, we're losing touch. We're losing yeah. touch with who we are, you know? Um, and, and that's, uh, I, I have hope, you know, it's just a thing I think we can rectify. But, but let's look at the situation. Mm. I think that's the, the key takeaway from it, because... Um... You know, even from what and I mentioned a few of my favorite artists and such, like Black Star, and as you mm. mentioned, Common and that line of things is I always like artists to approach the environments that we're in, or say the bigger the bigger situations that we are dealing with as a human race. And I think that's also one of the key takeaways is especially as you've mentioned it, I think with the Tau part one, you definitely mentioned it, and also slot machines is our actual addiction to 
things like social media or fast churning news almost. It's almost like, uh, as I've mentioned in what the story that I'm fantasy story I'm writing, it's always on a he say, she says kind of basis. And then we all get kind of stuck in this, this bubble of consistent conflict. I think, I can't remember who said it, but it's like the internet right now seems to be um fueled by hate more so than it is you know like you was you know you was talking about like our relationships the things like the earth it's almost like we're forgetting the things that look after us and going for these things that really when you think about it and especially when some people think about a job because i've done it what am i doing to benefit humanity i'd understand if i was like working customer services for emergency services or for companies that actually sole purposes is for actually looking after those around us but we get seem to be so lost in that but what and also then talking about those narratives and leading into your single black averageness which is off the the album as well which you touch on so heavily in fact it was one of those ones because when i when i got it and i said yeah this is a single you're going with so i was like okay let me uh, instead of doing the usual I'll start from the top you know start with out of touch work through all the way bottom to the tile part three i said let me listen to this black averageness because that's that's a, that's a bit of a especially <laughs> and I, I couldn't figure out why is it i feel irked by this um why, why what do you mean black averageness and it's exactly as you said we're so used to the term black excellence we forget that there's a bunch of people who aren't sheeple by the way so i'm not calling yeah. you guys people you just appreciate what you've got and you just want to live life from your simple a to z as we have as a where people know about the old roadmaps before tom toms and google maps and whatnot always but it was just an a to z look i'm i'm born i live i work i provide i do and i'm happy but we've had that scene so stripped away. So yeah. without me describing the whole thing, black averageness, yeah, yeah. break that, break, break that down for us, man. Yeah, you know, it was a funny, it was a funny concept that occurred to me um of black averageness, because exactly as you said, like in um as opposed to black excellence, you know what I mean? Black, black averageness. Um, it was a first of all, just like a funny concept that occurred to me, and I'm I'm a very kind of laid back regular guy so you know it's not a hard song for me to write but there's also a, there's a deeper message to it too which is um just kind of affirming affirming that we're allowed to be average you know what i mean because we live in a society where black excellence is celebrated as it should be um and then we're constantly given images of the other side of the spectrum in terms of the black experience. And it's almost like we're not allowed to just be average or, you know what I mean? So that's something I've encountered over and over again, you know, in my life. And there's been a lot of comedians and cultural analysts that have talked on this. I remember a really great uh, Chris Rock bit where he says, um, he's talking about his neighborhood and he's like, there's four black people in my neighborhood. He's like, it's like me, Derek Jeter, who's like an all-star Yankee, uh, some other Grammy award-winning singer, and somebody else. And he's like, and my neighbor is a white dentist. You know? Yeah. He's like, how come like we gotta be all the way at the top of the food chain just to be in this upper middle class neighborhood? You know what I mean? Um, and so a lot, you know, a lot of people have have touched on that. And and yeah, I think that does happen in our society. There's sort of um, the stereotype that we're either, you know, pathologically incapable and criminal and all these things, or we're like magical, you know, we're like, we have these otherworldly talents. It's like, no, we're like everybody else. Most of us are just regular, you know? Um, and so that that was the idea for the song. You know, it's gonna be it's gonna be funny, and it's, I'm gonna have fun with it. But ultimately, that's the message. Is like it's liberating. You know, the message is a liberating message of like, um, you know, you can you can be any of these things. There's my favorite line in the song is, uh, "I have every right to be like a B or a C with a do rag on while I ski." You know, like just yeah. just you know, because yeah. also in relation to black averageness is also like. You can also be do stuff that, that you don't expect black people to do. You know what I mean? Mm. We just put out the video today and uh and I'm gardening in it. You know, you don't see a black dude gardening. It's like why not? You know, it's relaxing. 
Well, unless you're referring to slavery, of course, but without triggering people. Exactly. But like, you know, your own little backyard thing, you want to put your hands in the soil and relax? Like, why not? How come we can't do that? How come it's weird if we do that, you know? So it, it kind of touches on all those things, you know? Um, so yeah, that's that song in a nutshell. Mm. Yeah, and that was well put together as well, man. Like I said, like I said, it's like one of those ones where you just, like you said, because even the beat itself isn't too, yeah. too serious, isn't too deep. It doesn't. It's just kind of a light, bubbly kind of chop up, still with a yeah. modern feel to it all. But it was just sort of like, even when I was listening to it, I was just like, you know what? Funny enough, I've been thinking. I think what's crazy is even listening to the album. Let me start from here. Actually, is that yeah. a lot of the things that you're covering is stuff that I've you know absorbed a lot just over for the lot like especially over the last decade but yeah. more intensively during this whole period because you know especially when you see so many people suffering with during these lockdowns of like mm. not being able to do much they you know because they're so concentrated on i have to do this i have to do that and this is my life and if i don't have anything what else do i have to do yeah but it's like with us creatives for us it's like wait a minute you're telling us we have time to sit back and absorb into things and try different new bits and bobs so and it's like now even listening to it, i was like oh, actually no he's actually right i mentioned the same thing about you know how it's pretty much in this addiction in social media at this particular point then even listening to black averages and thinking it's like you know what those people who just want to live and get on with their lives and have us as entertainers entertain them that's also mm. what our role is going to be as pivotal as if all of us was to achieve such high levels of excellence maybe it could be i don't know i'm not i'm not here to say i know that know the future and i think but it it everything kind of works hand in hand and you really have touched on that. So breaking down the album just a little bit more, uh, let's jump on to slot machines, if you don't mind. Yeah. So you've, you've, you've basically painted it like the casino setup. <laughs> so there's already that gambling addiction side of everything there surrounding it. But I love the way that you play off even, even with the wordplay, which also associates to the attachment to social media. So what's your, I mean, once again, just talk about the track and your views yeah. and, how it came together, man. Yes, slot machines was another fun one to put together because I had that that term and that song concept in mind, and then it's a matter of putting the song together, right? So I was thinking about how so much in our society is built and designed to be addictive mm -hmm. and not to benefit us, but to keep us in this unconscious loop of consumption from social media to even so much of the food that is that is sold and drink, you know, it's like so much of it is meant to keep us in this unconscious loop of addiction. And uh, it's like slot, it's like slot machines, you know, um, they say with slot machines, um, what's happening psychologically with people is they're not even trying to win. They just like the, they just get addicted to the routine and the unthinkingness of it, of just putting in the money, pull the lever, look at the things, <laughs> anticipate to see if it's going to give them that endorphin rush of winning or not. Then they just, uh, and um, so much in our society is designed to be exactly that. And so I thought about what if I made this song that felt like a casino, you know what I mean? It has this dark circus kind of beat to it. You know, yeah. Um, but instead of talking about a casino, I'm talking about I'm painting a picture of walking down the street, and the street mm. is like a casino. It's like come play this slot here of this, uh, you know, uh, fried and sweet food. Okay, come try this slot here <laughs> of uh, you know, and now look at your phone and refresh the Twitter. Now you know. And how um, so much of it is just we're hoping one of these uh, one of these plays will give us a spike of of happiness of endorphins and uh, anyhow so that's how that song that's how that song came together and so I wanted to sort of like Black Averageness you know I wanted it to have some humor to it for sure but also have a deeper message. Mm. Now it's definitely well delivered and also the um, 
that now picturing it as just like a you know like a animation video i know they are quite you know pricey i'm not saying they're not but having that as like an animation video then you know crossing out going out from the phone and going into a map soon and then you like someone else's thing that connects that as just a video on itself be will crazy. be it so netflix if you're listening so i know you're trying to look after your you know your, your any properties as assigned to you not me calling you property by the way jump yeah. on that video because i've seen you do some other stuff as well so that would be dope to watch um but wicked i'm so my actual i have to say that my favorite my favorite track on this like and I, I know we'll, we'll, everyone's gonna have their own but mine has to be slow so slow has just got that just is the beats dope it's got that just very satin kind of flow and the things that you tap into and mention as you break down slow are yeah it's just like with most of your your stuff it's you know it's either thought provoking even though it still might be humorous or taking a certain angle so similar with the other tracks how was slow yeah you know, slow came up yeah slow slow a beat by theory has it very dope producer you know from the dilla lineage you know so he's got he knows how to make it swing and chop up the samples and stuff i've been a fan of his for a long time so we got to connect and he gave me that beat and it just has that laid back swing to it that for me it just puts me in my zone you know i i i describe to you my influences but you know my era i come from you know <laughs> i do some experimenting on the album but that song is right in my zone that's right in my strike zone so that beat just sent me sent me going on on slow you know and reconnecting to a human pace of life mm. because so much in our world speeds us up tries to speed oh. us up I, I would say at this point beyond what is human beyond what is natural and mm. so that song again coming at it from different angles of speaking directly to the thing but also using some humor and stuff um, talking about reconnecting with the regular regular pace of things and um and so yeah you know i touch on social media in that song i touch on all sorts of things you know it's very stream of consciousness at points mm. too but that's what it's about you know and the beat is slow and it feels it's got a slow nice swing to it so it feels <laughs> it's got that molasses kind of flavor <laughs> yeah. and so uh yeah so it felt it felt right no nah, man for real like um but yeah i'll say like i mean i could pick, pick apart i would love to be able to pick up with you know well sorry pick apart the whole album with you but obviously i know we've only got a certain amount of time um but also don't be a stranger like got anything else coming up like you hit us up i've got my you know start on a separate high creativity podcast as well where we're just talking with creatives in general so if you even know anyone who just wants to just have a decent conversation just sit down and have a chat send them my way like a hundred percent i'm one of those types of people the more i learn about the world and the more people i experience um i don't know just it seems to help the picture seem a lot less scarier than what's sold to us as you've expressed on the album through social media the media from word of mouth and things of that nature so because i very much believe in good conversations like this are so needed because so many people are so used to like you said, scrolling, pulling that lever, man. That's all you used yeah. to. Someone sitting in front of the camera and there ain't no other interactions and such. But I suppose just like, I suppose um, in the case of like, you know, wrapping it up, I love the way that you've pictured the sense of how this project came about where you said, you know, or as it says in the piece, you know, draw a circle. Um, what do you create from drawing a circle? And when you initially had that vision, you started to see the circle you know coming apart so what i would like to ask is is where are you now within your journey and also your reflection on the album and the tower in general are you are, is your circle still falling apart or does it feel like certain pieces are coming back together yeah i feel in a very um well very interesting place a very curious place because i haven't figured it out you know i don't have the answer uh the thing that i can't figure out in in particular is so yeah, this album, the image that inspired a lot of the writing is seeing this this circle break into different pieces and those mm. pieces floating away from the whole and starting to disintegrate and, and disappear. And that was like a metaphor to me for our humanity, you know, and the different aspects, the different pieces of who we are all kind of breaking off and coming under threat and potentially disappearing. And the thing I can't figure out is... Um, 
do we need to put the circle back together or do we need to or is it part of the cycle of things that stuff breaks apart and dies and then comes back in some new form hmm. you know um so that's that's where i'm at man i know that's a big idea and i don't know exactly i don't know precisely what i mean by that but you know that's kind of what I'm trying to figure out. You know, do we as a society, as individuals, you know, are we in a place where actually what we need to be, do we need to, do we need to get back to where we were in some ways, or do we need to figure out what, let, let the thing die, let a lot of things die and, and figure out what the new thing is going to be, the better new thing. That's the best way I can put it. I mean, it's a, it's a big idea. I don't know exactly what I'm saying, or or if I were to get into it, you know, that might take more time than we have. But um, that's the True. thing I'm trying to figure out. You know, as I as I participate in the world, like everybody else, you know, how 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 should I be participating? Um, mm. But I'll, I'll say this: I do think there's a lot of answers to a lot of our problems. I do think a lot of the answers are there. They're just forgotten. You know, there's a lot of ancient mm. wisdom. There's a lot of ancient wisdom. And uh, and we have to just, I think we have to recover it. That's going to help us, you know, get together and and build and build. No, that's well well said and well put. And um, maybe just because I'm, I'm an overthinking thinker anyway. So when you said that, I like to picture these things and you're actually right in a sense because even it might they might not die they might just need to evolve into their own circles and then be dealt with how in essence that they need to so it doesn't mean necessary when they come back together that they won't become stronger i mean look if if you know about sacred geometry just even saying you don't or anyone who's listened to this look up look up sacred geometry and look at the case of the overlapping circles which actually created the very first 3d based images and also is quite heavily interconnected with a lot of things so it is a big answer and it's a big take. I'm definitely going to say that, but I think that's also what we need in this day and age is it's all good having these big tech thinkers, but if their main can, which is, which is fine. I mean, that's their whole purpose of life, create new tech, which they think is bettering people's lives in turn. It's bettering only a small fractions and then financials and whatnot, but it's then taking it. So like you said, the ancient wisdom. And I think that's also a, a big thing about the circle. And what I love about the um, the Tao, I think it's pronounced Tao. It's not Tao, it's actually Tao. I think yeah. I might be yeah. might be wrong that. But um, is the fact is it's like life is a circle. Or even like if you want to put it, it's like an infinite. It just literally, it we, we go around in these things. But the only way to break these circles is to be able to understand the, the errors of the past in order then, you know, it's for us to help grow going forward. And I personally from, and I don't say this lightly, I'm very, very strict about what I like and what I listen to, but I'm definitely looking forward to that coming out on all streaming services so I can walk around with that comfortably and get your numbers up um, as well on Spotify um, and other bits and bobs like that as well. Um, but yeah, no, so just wrapping this all up, I just want to give a massive thanks and shout out to you, to everything you've done, you've contributed also to, you know, the Netflix writers and to all the back teams to get us to get all connected here today. Is there anything else that you want to end up with or just let everybody else know? Yeah, no, that's, that's great. Um, I appreciate this chat. Like you said, I do. I agree. I think that, um, connection is is that's ultimately what i'm getting to with the album you know connection conversation people people getting together so uh, i appreciate it thanks for taking the time and uh yeah it's good good chat yeah fantastic so by the time this comes out everybody you're going to be able to listen to shad um's dow which will be available on all of your favorite streaming networks go buy purchase you know whatever is support 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 as you all know we're all that kind of i am hip-hop community here so this is another episode provided by myself jay uncle juju st paul it's a high creativity production make sure to check out highcreativity.net also i am hiphopmagazine.com and also we're all on social medias to pick up yourself the latest issue number six of the i am hip-hop magazine and yeah we will be coming back to you guys very soon Peace. Peace. All right.